Well, now they say that everyone likes to get a present. But do they? Do they really? I suppose, in a sense, it depends on the present. I remember someone once giving me a bottle of aftershave lotion, which isn't much good, really, since I have a beard. You can't see it on the radio, but here it is, large as life and twice as whiskery. You know, I have to admit that sometimes I find it difficult to receive presents, especially if I think someone has spent money that they can ill afford to buy me a present. It embarrasses me. And so I have a standard answer at home when someone asks, what do you want for Christmas? I always reply, oh, just give me a packet of envelopes. It's become a kind of family joke. Now that my sons have grown up and have children of their own, they take no notice at all, which is really very unfair because envelopes are always useful, aren't they? Have you ever noticed when you want an envelope, you go to the package, you thought there were two or three, and, and it's empty? Well, over the years, my family have learned to ignore my pleas for envelopes, and I have learned a lesson as well. People love to be generous. They really do. Because it's fun to give. In fact, it brings tremendous pleasure, doesn't it? To give something to someone you love, even if you have spent a little bit more than you can really afford, because the more they like it, the greater the pleasure you have in giving it. Giving is a way in which we express love. And there is no greater love than God's love. And that's shown by the gift he gave us that first Christmas. We heard about it in our reading from John chapter 3. Jesus was having a conversation with a learned rabbi called Nicodemus. And Jesus had told Nicodemus that in order to get close to God, you've actually got to start your life all over again. And Nicodemus was very, very puzzled by this. How on earth can that happen, he said? How can you be born again when you're old, born for a second time? How can that happen? Well, the answer is that it happens when you accept the gift that God wants to give you. And I can assure you, it's much more exciting than a packet of envelopes. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Why do we give presents? Well, for a number of reasons, I suppose. But the principal reason is that we want people to know that we love and appreciate them. Not every member of my close family is a Christian, but every year I send presents to all my nephews and nieces. They're usually very boring and predictable presents, tins of sweets and calendars. But every year I want them to know that funny old Uncle Charles, who's always going on about Jesus still loves them and won't stop loving them even though they don't listen to what he says. 
We give because we love. And when gifts are refused, of course, it's really the love that's rejected. And boy, oh boy, does that hurt. The Bible verse I've just quoted says that God loved the world. But that doesn't mean that he loved human beings as a kind of job lot en masse. Just think for a moment and substitute your name for the words, the world. God so loved Nigel. God so loved Nikki. God so loved Gladys. God so loved Alan. God so loved whoever you are. That he gave his one and only son. That as they believe in him, they shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, it may seem very hard to believe, but God has known you and has loved you from before time began. And he's known every other human being who's ever been created before time began. That's hard to appreciate. It's even harder to appreciate the, the pain that must have been in his heart when so many of his children are made to suffer, and they have been, haven't they? But you see, because he wants us to respond to him freely and not coerced into an unwilling submission, he's given us free will. And that means we can be as nasty and as cruel as we like. It also means, of course, we can be as loving and generous as we like. The problem is that while there's good in most people, there is in all of us, all of us, a tendency to evil. And the Bible calls it sin. Not a very nice word. Not a very fashionable word. Not a word that people like using these days. But that's the problem. Sin. God realized a long time ago that he had to do something about it. Because, you see, it separates us from him. And nothing we can do from our side will ever bridge the gap. The problem has to be a very radical one. To, to quote the rebuttable Miss Marple in one of Agatha Christie's mystery stories, when something goes bad, you've got to get rid of it and make a fresh start. She says it's like ground elder in a garden border. You have to dig everything up and start all over again. And that, you see, is what Jesus meant when he said we've got to begin life all over again. Because the old human nature that we started with is no good. There's something fundamentally wrong with it, and we need a new one. And the only person who can provide it is God. But we've got to recognize the problem... I had a computer problem the other day. Because I am a dummy, and I freely admit that, I had accidentally closed a window on the screen and it became virtually impossible to read my emails. They had shrunk to about that size. Well, I pressed every key that I could think of. Nothing worked. So what did I do? I panicked, of course. And there was only one thing to do, to call for the expert who is actually sitting in the gallery. I sent him a text 
And very, very kindly, he told me what to do. Hey, presto! My emails returned to their proper size. But without his expertise, I would still be helplessly sitting at my desk, pressing keys, making the situation much worse. The principle is simple. There is a problem. There's a problem. Sin has spoilt and twisted human nature. That's, that's what's gone wrong. It's spoilt and twisted human nature. And that has led to all kinds of bad things. Dreadful things. Unspeakable things. It's even affected the created order. So that just everything is out of balance. Romans chapter 8 says that the whole creation groans in like a woman having a baby. And, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, you ladies in the congregation who have given birth, you know what that feels like. You know how painful that is. The only person who can put that right is the one who created it in the first place. But how does he do it? Well, there's a, a story told about a, a farmer who kept a flock of geese. It was Christmas Eve and... His wife was getting ready to go to the midnight service. The weather that evening was awful. Rain was coming down in torrents. The wind was howling all around the farmhouse and the farm buildings. And she asked him whether he wanted to come with her. No fear. He said, I'm staying here by the fire. You can go out the wind and rain if you like. I'm staying here. Well, a little while after she left, as he sat toasting his toes, he heard a deafening crash outside, followed by a very familiar noise, the sound of geese squawking. Well, he got up, pulled on his coat, went out to see what had happened. The branch of a tree had blown into the farmyard, smashed into the barn door, and allowed all the geese to get out. They were scuttling around in all directions, try as he would, he couldn't get them back into the barn. When he chased one, the others rushed off in the opposite direction. He was getting wetter and wetter, and the geese were getting more and more panic-stricken. What was he going to do to try to communicate the message that they didn't have to be afraid of him? How could he encourage them to go back into the safety of the barn? Stupid creatures. They weren't listening to him. How could he communicate to them? If he was a goose himself, they'd understand him, because he'd be one of them. And you see, that is precisely what God did when he sent his son to become a human being. Only he wasn't bothered about geese. He was concerned for you and me and the mess we make of our lives. And we do make a mess, don't we? I don't know what kind of mess you've made of your life. Perhaps not a very spectacular one. Or perhaps there have been some quite serious mistakes. Perhaps this message is for you this morning. As you look back and you wish you hadn't made those wrong choices. You wish you hadn't wasted those opportunities. What does Jesus say? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. 
Jesus didn't come to say, you hopeless, useless person, you're no good. That's not why he came. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So, that's why he became a human being. That's why God's one and only son had to come into the world to live and die and rise again. Napoleon Bonaparte is reputed to have said that all the armies that have ever marched and all the battles that have ever been fought, and he should know because he led and fought quite a lot himself, have not influenced the human race as much as that one solitary human life, the life of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you'll get the gift you've been hoping for this Christmas, but let me tell you this. The creator of the universe loves you. He really does. He knows all about you. And he loves you infinitely. Because his mind and his heart and his capacity to love are infinite. Without limit. And he wants to give you the chance to leave behind the mistakes and the wrong choices and the wasted opportunities. And to give you the chance to be the kind of person who in your heart you really long to be. And there's only one thing you have to do, and that is to accept the gift he offers. The gift of his son. The gift he's given to the world. Over the last three weeks, we've been looking at a verse from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. It's part of our reading. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And that, you see, describes God's Christmas present to the world exactly. The one who commanded light to shine at the very moment of creation. The one who set the big bang in process. The one who started it all has made his light shine in our hearts because he wants us to know him. He wants to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. He wants us to share a personal relationship with each one of us, a relationship that will go on and on into eternity as we share his glory. And it's all there in the face of Jesus. That's where it is. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you know what the sad part is? The sad part is that so many people don't want the gift. They think they're rejecting something that will make them unhappy, that will stop them enjoying life as they want to live it. Actually, the opposite is true. They're rejecting love, God's love, and it's only God's love in Jesus that can give us what we really need. And that's healing and forgiveness and hope. Of course, if you don't want those things, if you prefer life without them, that's your choice. But to me, 
Rejecting God's gift would be as stupid as rejecting the love and affection of those most close to you and asking for a packet of envelopes instead. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift you've given us, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to reach out this morning, to take that gift, to feel his arms around us, to know that whatever we've done, as we turn to him in repentance and faith, our sins can be forgiven and we can live new lives. And you can take us to yourself Walk with us every day, and one day, share eternity with us. And we ask for our Saviour's sake. Amen.